Welcome everyone through all time and space to an all new episode of Weebs on the Weekends, a podcast where we break down the anime news highlights of the week and give a retrospective look at anime that premiered 10 years ago. Today's episode will be covering the news from the fourth week of February 2021 and give our thoughts on the first three episodes of the 2011 anime Beelzebub. My name is Jay Johnson, a part-time weeb and full-time English language sensei, and with me as always is my co-host Sam Martinez, part-time weeb and full-time automobile mechanic. Now Sam, I said I wasn't going to talk about this specific anime again but you know you really can't stop talking about redo the healer because of (laughs) (laughs) oh it's rearing its nasty head again okay all right why 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 can't we keep talking about it uh kaisen is dominating the news cycle same thing with attack on titan all these wonderful anime that's going on during this season winter season of just being overlooked you know uh the main protagonist and, and wonder egg priority is like probably going to be be best girl of the year because her story is just so oh my gosh traumatic and she's such best girl already like you know best girl when you see best girl and it's like you don't Oh, definitely yeah it's like sure like there's a lot of good other animes coming out this year and you know re-zero second cores is having like the strongest bit that you know a lot of re-zero fans have been kind of aching for so just Dude, it is making a good comeback, but what, what does all this have yeah, to do with Redo? Yeah, it's just that I just want to talk about Redo because, like, everyone is talking <laughs> about it. Again, it's, like, Go one on. of those things, like, being so in touch with the anime community. It's like, oh, yeah, you saw the latest Jujutsu Kaisen episode. It's the best fight scene ever. Or Attack on Titan. You really hate that kid and F those kids because Gabby is, like, one of the worst <laughs> antagonists of Attack on Titan history period and attack on titan is known for its messed up antagonist it is just a kid but yeah so the news why i wanted to talk about just redo this mention it again because recently yeah. uh redo the hero dropped or healer healer uh healer dropped on uh you know legal licensed um uh porn sites so it's really interesting to see like even like so it's no longer on those explicit websites. Is that because of copyright issues, or oh no, is that's what because I'm saying, Sam. Yeah, now it's else. on those websites. Oh, yeah, now it's it on hasn't those websites. been okay. because it was always classified in its publication as an anime. But these hentai websites or you know pornographic websites have kind of laxed on their. Oh, so those sites that were just in the wind is like. Is it coming our way? It's straddling the fence. We don't know which way it's going to go. And then, like you said, after I think it was episode three or four, it's it 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 went full hentai instead of straddling the fence like we thought exactly. it was. Exactly. So you know, I'm always advocating how good interspecies reviewers are, but you know, it hasn't appeared on that site because of you know it's the site's criteria for what's a hentai and what's an anime. Same thing with Peter's Grills. The Philosopher's Times that we talked about last year and some other, you know, etchy shows like etchy isn't hentai for like specific reasons. But, you know, Redo the Healer is just so no longer shining the line, like you said, Sam. And I'm just I just want to keep talking about it. But I promise, Sam, this is the last time I'll bring it up. So so let's get away (laughs) from that and talk about some news. I got some news for you, Sam. You want to ready for some news? All right, cool. So, as always, the time codes are going to be in the description. We have our weekend roundup for the fourth week of February, and well as our 10-year discussion on Beelzebub, which is your choice, Sam. So, our first news story is 
tangentially related to anime because our first news story is that the music duo Daft Punk has retired after 28 years together. So I'm sure you're sure you're known of familiar with Daft Punk, but they're a French collective of two um, basically electro pop artists, and they've been together since 1993. And they announced this week that they're breaking up or, you know, they're retiring, going to retirement together, or at least that collective is. So the reason that this is connected to the anime, you know, community is because they have their animated, um, animated music videos in the anime film called Interspell- Interstellar 555. Wait, 5555. There's four fives. And they all... Yeah, I think it's... Uh, yeah, oh, sorry, it's just that on. they did advertisement for... Uh, Toonami as well as with their music videos in that film and it's from their second uh, album called Discovery but yeah Sam how are you taking this news or how do you know about Daft Punk it, it, it was sort of weird because I would say that Daft Punk was probably the bridge for the mainstream to the techno pop house in the sense of like how Drake or Pitbull is sort of the mainstream gateway to rap in the pop industry and the thing is with daft punk they're the group they were so what's the word they were so flexible they were so adaptable in the sense of they could get on the they could get on the track with any artist and essentially they would sort of produce them produce them meaning making the beat or making the music for the artist, whether it's rap, pop, or any other genre. And the thing is, they were the type of group that didn't necessarily have to build up or hype up their albums when they dropped. It was sort of their work spoke for itself. For instance, they hadn't done anything for a while, and then they dropped a track with Pharrell. And then they were hot, they were hot again for about three or five years because of how good that track was. It, that's just a testament to their skills. And the, again, as you said, they were so iconic because I've seen them in several movies. For instance, the movie with Tron, I think they even helped a little bit with the music for Tron. As well as their helmets, it's sort of like that uh, mystery motif that they had going on. It's going to be hard because I'm sure, much like you, I sort of grew up with them in the background, sort of like one of those things that's going to be constant. For instance, the sun's going to rise and you know that Daft Punk's going to drop a new banger of a single within the next year or so. But now that they're sort of breaking up, I don't know. It, it, it's it's I, I feel some sort of way. I mean, granted, it's good that they have to retire. They don't really have to work anymore. But hearing that that they're splitting up and makes it see so so are they retiring or are they splitting up because i've heard yeah so their official report that they released or their official statement was that they're breaking up quotes quotes so technically they're they are daft punk is over but their individual i guess careers as artists can continue on but daft punk is dead i guess uh and like I said, with with them being like so iconic, it's it's sort of hard because we see a lot of their influence now with the people like Dead Mouse, 
or Marshmello, right? Which are other artists that have that head covering and they are prominent nowadays. They sort of spearheaded the way for those guys. And one thing that they were also known for as well was hiding their identity. So if they do pop up as other artists, it's going to be hard to see or make that connection that they were part of Daft Punk because their identities were such a secret. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. Like, what, what are your thoughts? It just hits me specifically for the anime community why I wanted to bring it up is that anime and American music has kind of or they're French, you know, creators, but specifically for like American rap yeah. is like you always hear like certain verses that just call back to some kind of anime because apparently like a lot of American rappers are just weebs and hiding because just thinking oh, just Oh, definitely. Like yeah, Wu Tang Clan? They they reference comic books and anime. Exactly. All the time. And it's uh I mean, just coming to mind, like J. Cole and a lot of rappers like Lil Baby and Tyler the Creator like have these very sneaky call outs to like DBZ is usually the go to anime for rap music going Super Saiyan or like uh the J. Cole line I'm thinking about is when he's talking about Krillin and his love for blonde hair because you know, canonically dated launch. He dated Launch uh, from Dragon Ball and, uh, yeah, Android 18 from Dragon Ball Z. But I was thinking more about in the sense of Daft Punk is, like, one of those artists that delved into, like, the musical aspect of anime. So they did their movie with, um, I forgot what studio it was. Yeah, but Interstellar 555, that was their uh, companion to their album. But I was also thinking recently of, or not even recently, but back in 2004, which is the Breaking the Habit music video by Linkin Park, and that was animated by Studio Gonzo. So I'm just thinking that Daft Punk is like one of those um, groups that has kind of just opened up the music industry for anime, and it's just sad to see them go. But that's our first news story. Enough with sad news. Let's move on to some happy news. Oh, sorry, this is more bad news. But (laughs) the second... (laughs) <laughs> the second news story for this week is that the fourth and final Evangelion movie has been delayed once again. It originally was scheduled for June 27th, 2020, was moved to January 23, 2021, and has been moved again, hopefully finally, to March 8th. Now, Sam, we I'd like to play a game with you called Does Sam Know? But to make it a little bit easier, uh, okay, we're playing this to again. make it a little easier, can you name at least one of the Evangelion movies. Oh no, I can't. There's I know there's Evangelion, I think 1.1. There were there was a string of movies where they had the numbers with the point 1 or point 2 at the ends. I think one movie that I've seen on Netflix it was Evangelion the end or end in parentheses or not the end it was weird it was a play on the phrase the end or not the end they had a word in parentheses i that that's like the only thing that i can think of at this probably like 1.1 or 3.1 or the one that i would skip on netflix where it was like all right so uh i'll give you half credit so yes they do have their oddly named they're oddly named like evangelion 1.0 so but the subtitles are so 1.0 is called you are not alone so the not is in 
the brackets. Uh, number Evangelion 2.0 okay. is called You're Not You Cannot Advance. Evangelion 3.0 is called You Cannot Redo. And this latest fourth movie, so it is not a trilogy, but a tetrogy. Tetrogy is a four movie series. So this last fourth movie is called Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0. And, <laughs> and its subtitle is called Thrice okay. Upon Time. So just the news of that it's been moved again and there is like a special event because in given that the quarantine uh, national emergency is going to be lifted around on march 7th so they're getting right in right after the quarantine lifts to get people in theaters somewhat of the same way as demon slayer mugen train kind of lifted or you know premiere right oh they're gonna they're trying to recreate the lightning the track exactly capture. so yeah. very short news story but just wanted to mention that if anyone was interested in evangelion when it gets to you know around the world or showing but for our third news story is uh, i saw, saw i see what you did there cool. around the world uh the third news story is that the studio ghibli movie spirit away will be finally getting its first stage play next year so it is set up for february 2022 in Tokyo, uh, the Tokyo or the Toho Imperial Theater, and it is going to be directed and written by the English stage director John Card or Caird. It's C A I R D, and he's really known for. So he's been working since 1977. But to say what? Holy crap! He's been in the industry exactly, forever. and he has a strong relationship with Japan. Or sorry, he has a strong relationship with the uh, Tokyo kind of like Broadway scene. So he does most of his work in London. Then he goes to America for Broadway in the United or in New York city. And then he goes to Tokyo. So like, those are his three big, you know, playgrounds for his plays, but he's really known for okay. having like the standard for what the Les Miserables stage play is. So he did that back in 1985, but Sam, have you have any interest in seeing a stage play of Spirited Away? It would be kind of interesting because with John Card, is he the one that wrote it or he's just the director for Lane? Uh, he didn't write it, but he's the – well, he wrote okay, the stage he play the technically. So. Like he's, he has yeah. the standard for what the Les Miserables. It would be kind of interesting to see how they try to recapture or recreate the fantastical aspects that make Spirited Away. It would also be interesting to see how they adapted for the stage play because they're with Spirited Away. It's a long movie, but all the scenes are intentional for the drawn medium to try to convey those same feelings in person on a stage play. It's going to be an undertaking. I would be interested to see if they're going to try to use new technologies, say, for instance, drones or maybe holograms to try to recreate those same fantastical aspects. However, with this guy being in the theater community as long as he has, it would just be interesting to see if he's going to go more of a traditional route or, as I said, try to implement some newer technologies but how long have they been working on the stage play for because it seems like you, you said that it was going to be released yeah so it's scheduled right now for 
uh, to premiere in Tokyo, to be shown in Tokyo for February to March, and they'll go on tour throughout Japan. So it says right now, like, this is the first public announcement of it. So it says currently writing, and the main cast has been cast. So it's pretty into the process right now. Okay, so then I think you've told me a little bit about this process before, whereas before any stage play goes on Broadway, they would do little showings, a little bit how uh, akin to comedians, how they'll go to dive bars to work on their uh, set before they go on to tour, so to speak. Also, is this the first stage play adaptation for an animated film? Or it's just big because it's spirited uh, it's away? It's big because it's spirited away. And no, it's not the first uh, stage play for an animated film. But, I mean, animated properties like animes all the time get stage plays. That's kind of like standard operating procedures. Like, I mean, the Haikyuu anime has a stage play. And, you know, follow that down the line of most popular animes get a stage play. So it's just a, this is a Studio Ghibli first. Oh, okay. And it'll also be kind of cool to see what the Miyazaki bloodline thinks about how it's tr- translated to stage play as well. For sure. And since Studio Ghibli, it's very interesting that this is only in the news for this week because I thought it was interesting that we just talked about recently about uh, Hedwig, Earwig and the Worm. Wait, Hedwig? The uh, CG movie that Studio Ghibli has just done recently. Oh yeah, the the ear the, the oh, ear and the witch. witch yes, thank you, Sam. That yeah, they're making all these like changes to how their uh, company is like performing technically, and it's just a good sign that maybe Studio Ghibli is going to move a little bit more into the future. But that's it for our third news story, and for our last news story, Sam, it is a follow up to a story that you had last week. Is that the Demon Slayer Mugen Train movie or Infinite Train movie has finally surpassed Spirited Away as the number one grossing Japanese animated film of all time. Oh, the king is dead. Oh, it did. The king. So the <laughs> Demon Slayer movie has just passed the 4 million U.S. box office overtaking Hayao Miyazaki's 2003 anime film Spirited Away. And the Demon Slayer movie has been in theaters since October 16, 2020. So it's really interesting that it did take this long, but it is just the perfect uh, confluence, I guess is the word, of events, given that we talked last week of how the manga has outsold One Piece. The world has been, or at least Japan has been in deep quarantine procedures. So it was just a perfect peak of, oh, let's go see this thing. The acclaim that Demon Slayer got thanks to like the media outcry of like, oh, look at episode 19, I was believe, when Tanjiro was going against Ri- Ri- Ryu or Rai. Exactly. It was <laughs> Ninja who sent out that exactly. tweet. So, and I have some news that I'm about to surprise you with, Sam. So let's see how you react. But yes, right now, because of all this in the news right now, Demon Slayer has also begun its Oscar run. So know anything about the oscar procedures i wanted to talk to you a little bit about that uh if 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 you will because last week when you had mentioned about the u.s i had learned that demon slayer had come to the u.s however i learned the day before it was showing 
and I learned that it was uh, showing in a limited uh, capacity in Miami the day after. And the re only reason why they did that so that it can be uh, nominated or at least can participate in the Oscars. I was so miffed, man, because I've been wanting to see it. And when I learned about it, all the tickets were gone. I couldn't find any site or anything to try and get some tickets, oh. man. It, it was I, – I was, I was, I was okay. a little miffed. Well, that's what I was going to surprise you with because I was – Hoping that I was going to get oh. you excitement when I mentioned <laughs> that Miami and Atlanta were on the um, Oscar. Oh, Atlanta as well? I didn't know it was showing in Atlanta. I only yeah, knew exactly. about Miami. So the Oscar run just requires that it is premiered in Los Angeles and New York for seven days. So like that would qualify as a movie for its Oscar nomination or its potential Oscar nomination. So the other cities that it's available in is the San Francisco Bay Area, Chicago, and of course, closest to you, Miami and Atlanta, from the 27th of February for seven days. So I was going to say, Sam, I think you need to uh, hurry it up because you're halfway through your time. But again, like, I know, is it's just, viewing. as I said, oh, it's just limited viewing. So it's like first come, first serve. But again, it's the critics, it's like general showing. So that means also, the critics and all these news outlets have to buy tickets themselves. It's not going to be premiere like withheld from the public because they want to get it seen by the most people possible. So it's like first come first serve. So I was hoping to hear like, Oh, we need to end the podcast early because I need to go buy my tickets. If I knew where to get some, I tried looking for it on Fandango and Fandango wouldn't show me anything, man. I was, uh... Again, I, I, I was mad. Maybe I'll try again okay. afterwards. Good, good, good. Because we'll just to shout out that, again, how big the Demon Slayer movie is just trending. So it had recently won the Japanese Academy Film Prize for the Popularity Award. So the Japan Academy Film Prize is the equivalent for, you know, the West's, the West's Oscars. So it won the Popularity Prize and it's nominated to win Best Animation of the year, which we already talked about in a previous episode. And also this is just to call out the director is uh, Haru, Haru Sato Kazi, Katsuki, Katsuki. And it's again by Studio Yefotable, who did the first season as well as doing second season, like we talked about in the previous episode. But all Demon Slayer is, is about a boy carrying a demon on his back. And what else is about a boy carrying a demon on his back is your pick Sam. So that's the best transition yeah, there is. Your pick. So, so last week or last episode, I picked the Studio Peridot, not uh, Periot, Periot Plus, uh, the letter B or Tega, Tegami Bachi Reverse. So that was Bachi. done by Periot Plus. And then you picked the other property by Periot Plus that they did in 2011, Beelzebub. So tell me why you picked the other B other B anime this year the reason why i chose the other B was essentially it was one of again one of those animes that was out at the time that i was into anime and i didn't make an attempt to experience it or watch anything i saw how popular it was a uh, few people read the manga and i heard it, it seemed like it was very popular at the time again it was just one of those works that I never took the time to experience. And I figured 
why not? However, uh, how about yourself? Were you exposed to Beelzebub? Was this the first time that you... Uh, yeah, first time seeing it again. Again, this is why a retrospective is so nice to revisit series that you didn't get a chance to. But yeah, it's kind of an iconic series, very much like how we talked about Infinite Stratos. It's just one of those series that everyone talked about. And it's like growing up in, you know, the you know 10 years ago, technically, you like hear all these animes that you should be watching. And you're like, nah, I'm going to stick with Shippuden and you know, my comfort animes because I don't want to out myself too badly. So, yeah, uh, yeah, Very like much. you said, Sam, I didn't get the chance. I heard about it because it's kind of one of those iconic pairs. It's um, Ota is the main character and Baby Beelzebub. He's a s small little teal color. Is his hair teal? Turquoise, maybe? But it's... Oh, oh turquoise right. or it's, like, it's basically Zoro's hair color. So if you think of Zoro's from One Piece's hair color, it's Baby Oh, no. And yeah, that's all my exposure to it. But it's very interesting, these three episodes. So can you tell me a little bit about the story, Sam? Yeah, exactly. So uh, just give a brief history of the franchise. It was written and illustrated by Toshi Toshiaika Awashiro, who was the author assistant to the author of the series known as Siren. It was first a one-shot in Shonen Jump, and then it became a regular series in the uh, publication known as Jump Next, where it followed under the name Beelzebub Another, and as you said, it was picked up by Periot Studio, where they made an OVA adaptation, and then... They made a 60-episode anime. And with this, the anime is given the genre action, comedy, demon, supernatural. It also has the rating of PG-13. This show can also be viewed on Amazon. So basically, the summary of the anime, it takes place at this high school, which is sort of... I'm trying to think of what the term is for America because we have schools like this where essentially the delinquents or the people that are of a certain uh, – I forgot uh, – of, of a certain uh, population that is swayed or that is susceptible to certain things, say if they come from poor neighborhoods or something like that. It's not necessarily like a halfway house type thing, but you know it's a type of school where not, not – or degenerates or kids who have harsh upbringings they'll go to. And it follows the first year known as Tatsumi Oga. And with Tatsumi Oga, he is a, a vicious fighter at uh, the school Ishiyami High. And as he was going home, for some reason he was fighting people on the riverbed, but he's a delinquent, so... That, that, that's reason enough. He was fighting people on the riverbed, and he ran into a man that was floating down the stream. He split open. A baby popped out and essentially imprinted himself onto Oga. And he learned later on through some people that came to his home that this was the Demon Lord or the future Demon Lord. And Oga's role was now to help bring up this demon lord. And 
that is essentially the premise of the show. As we watch in the first few episodes, he is he begrudgingly takes the responsibility, and it seems as though a side bar mission or objective for him is to find somebody that is more vicious than he that the child would sort of imprint himself upon because the reason why he takes to Oga so hard is because of his nature, how he treats other people. And it's sort of funny because it's it it, it takes it from a very comedic approach. It's sort of like what makes one to be the demon lord essentially like what are the qualities that one should have if they want to become the demon lord and we see this in episode three where he thinks that he found somebody that would be a good candidate however he dismisses the person and found them not to be a proper demon lord influence for baby beelzebub one thing that we see too that that adds to the comedy is that whenever the baby cries he essentially fries oga like pikachu did with ash in the first few seasons of pokemon and because he's a baby he's crying almost incessantly and (laughs) it adds to the comedy but then it does become a bit dull. But, Jay, you did mention that these first three episodes were pretty interesting. What were some things that had jumped out to you regarding these episodes? Yeah, the interesting thing about it is that... So I did use the word interesting, like you said, and it's that... So three episodes gives you, again, that good taste of a setup, and 60-episode run is pretty long. Like we talked about, Letter B from last week has 50 episodes, and it just feels bloated. And the whole thing that I find interesting about these three episodes, and you know, three episodes, 24 minutes each, so basically an hour, is that I didn't laugh once. I didn't laugh once. <laughs> comedy. And are, are, you, are you not one for slapstick? Because this was like very much like Looney Tunes where they just hammed up the slapstick comedy. Yes. Well, I don't know if that's what my issue was, but my issue that I identified was that this is a – very much a comedy of contrast, and I thought a good maybe parallel might have been uh, Big Bang Theory, but now that I'm saying it out loud, maybe that's not the best appropriation. But the whole idea about Big Bang Theory is, is that it's laughing at nerds, and it's like, hey, look at these look at these nerds. Aren't they funny to be laughed at? And it's kind of like bullying somewhat in the sense of its comedy, but also there's the character of Penny, who is a airhead, beautiful girl hanging out with these groups of closeted extroverted nerds introverted introverted nerds and you know a lot of buddy cops play off the idea of contrast with their humor but like you said like all this is for its comedy is slapstick but it's more use of gags so i guess that might be claps uh, uh clapstick uh, <laughs> yeah but <laughs> it's very interesting because it also does that with a lot of these very subtle parodies for like shonen cliches because maybe you saw this in episode one sam but there's a moment where um olga now that i'm saying that also it sounds like ogre which i guess that's kind of the play off of his name but olga um he does like he gets angry in one scene and his hair gets pointy like 
Vegeta's from Dragon Ball Z. Also, oh, yeah. talking to his best friend, that. who's also a delinquent. So all these uh, students are delinquents, and he's always in this battle royale kind of situation whenever he goes to school because he's the king of delinquents. And in episode two, he easily defeats like a third-year delinquent, and it's, again, ringed out for its comedy. Like, oh, this freshman beat up this junior. But anyways, that in that scene with his best friend, his arm stretches like Luffy from One Piece. So there's a lot of these little subtle calls to other streaming properties Nuts. that really reminds me of Gintama so much. And I was very much surprised to learn that this is not by the same creator. They're just very much in the same time period that Gintama came out the same year, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, 2011. So it's oddly that they're kind of vibing with the same sense of comedy in both of them, that the shonen genre can be somewhat of a meta commentary, but also that with this instance versus how Gintama handles its comedy, I just found this really joy- joyless, stilted. I didn't enjoy any of the dialogue. I didn't enjoy any of the characters. The animation is flat. Okay, this might be where I go on my rant about why I didn't like Oh, no, no, I, I understand because as I kept watching it, I, when I, I had read the synopsis beforehand that it was a one-shot, and definitely as you watch it, you realize okay, this was definitely a one-shot. They're just padding it out as long as they can. As though, like, there wasn't really any thought putting after the end of that one-shot chapter. It was sort of a what-if scenario. And then some people liked it. And then the person, or at least the writer, it seems as though they're trying to make it up as they go along to ride the wave as much as they can premise is very solid like how you laid it out is that a delinquent picks up a demon lord and then he doesn't want a baby on his back for one it's a pikachu electrocuting him every chance he gets when it cries also he's a high schooler taking care of a baby so it's like of course he doesn't want this adult responsibility and also it propels the plot forward by saying like this is the one badass character and he's trying to find other badass to basically dump this responsibility on so it drives him it gives him a concrete goal of why there is a shonen fight uh series going on in his life essentially so it's that excuse that most shonens try to work around but it works very well here like that is a thing that because he's so much of a badass he has to accept somewhat of a curse so again he gets a demon on his back that he has to take care of just because of who he is like you said sam and it's really interesting in that way that like the first episode introduces you to okay this is a fantasy story or a supernatural story because Hildegard is a demon maid that shows up and like they're kind of the somewhat you know there's there's this chemistry going on between them of oh let's raise this baby together I'm the maid you're the master kind of family dynamic in the second episode he starts like okay, this baby's ruining my life. I need to find someone strong, but I've been the king for so long. Who am I going to find? And then the third episode, it's like, okay, this is an important responsibility that I actually need to find someone to take care of this kid because one, in episode one, he saves the baby Bell. Is that his name? Baby Bell? They, they call they call him Bell, but his his name is beelzebub something or rather yes it's a super long name but they call him yeah baby Baby beel yeah but yeah he saves baby beel in the first episode so you can already see like oh oga is a you know kind-hearted person just hidden behind his whole 
bravado of a delinquent. But in the third episode, it really comes through of like, well, raising the Demon King and like keeping the balance of the world is kind of an important task. So not only do I need to get this responsibility off myself, I need to actually do due diligence. So it's a, again, it's a good three episode setup of setting up the story arc, setting up the character, setting up the world. But again, like if it's a comedy, I didn't laugh one, once. So it makes me want to go read the manga because again, it feels like one of those what you said, like it's a good one shot and then maybe the slapstick nature is a little bit more exaggerated in the comic because of the time that they can't actually do like terribly complicated things and their physics of the characters, like again with the Luffy stretching of the arm. But yeah, it's just a very, yeah. well, I feel mixed right now, Sam. How about you? How do you feel? I was a little bit mixed too. One of the main issues that I had was they didn't really show how he was a delinquent aside from fighting. I guess that could be a lack of understanding on my part in terms of Japanese society and how big of a deal that is in terms of getting into fights and things of that nature. But again, they made they built him up to be this big bad person, but all he does is just get in fights and he just wins. That's not necessarily, I mean that that is that is delinquency, but that's not necessarily cause for him to be the one above all in terms of delinquents. We even get scenes where he's at home, and with the character Hildegard that you mentioned, she talks to the parents and essentially gets them to believe that Olga had knocked her up and Baby Beale was her baby. She wants to stay at the residence with them. And Oga was essentially told by his dad, you're going to raise this baby. The thing that surprised me the most was how much he listened to his father. If he's a delinquent as much as the show says, there should be a lot more friction between him and his parents. The fact that he was like, yes, dad, I'll, I'll raise the baby. Things like that, that, that sort of was off kilter to me uh one thing that i did kind of like and i guess this this is more of a technical aspect was the demons it sort of reminded me of the giant race in the god of war franchise particularly the giant race in the norse mythology that they tackle and the sense of they are giants by name but they can look completely human that's one thing that we get with Hildegard and Elandion, the man that splits open. They are a demon in name. They look completely human. They don't have the horns, the tails, or the bat wings. But the thing that sets them apart is their physical capabilities and their abilities. So that was one thing that was kind of interesting uh, that they could have played into so that they could have roamed about and maybe had I mean maybe like later on in the show if there is another delete uh, demon who is trying to make a coup under the current demon lord and is moving uh, through things trying to kill baby Beale or something along those lines that would be interesting but with the way that this anime has gone or in the direction that it's going i don't think it's going to go that particular way one other thing too is i want to sort of i guess 
sit and digest on why Oga didn't choose the last guy to be his successor to be Baby Bill's caretaker. Because uh, as far as what I've seen in, uh, in the show, he had an organization that followed him. He treated his people like a demon lord would treat his people. And yet Oga was self-righteous and didn't approve of the man's methods. I guess it was because he didn't necessarily get to that position on his own two feet. He did it through trickery and through manipulation. But then again, that's sort of the qualities that you think that a demon lord would have. I mean, hell, even baby Bill's dad sort of just threw his responsibilities of raising baby Bill onto Oga just because he wanted to play video games and go to certain events that were happening in the demon realm. So it, it's it's sort of like what does Oga think that a demon lord should be and whether or not that I guess like it vibes with baby Bill, but baby Bill is a baby. He he's just going to the person that is cruel for the sake of being cruel. So that that's that was sort of my main complaints on Beelzebub uh, moving forward, but I, I was sort of expectant in the fact that I don't expect so much from this, just more horror slapstick comedy, more Pikachu moments, more uh, potty humor jokes that's not all that funny, especially when they have a baby that's naked for no reason at all. Uh, what about you, Jay? Uh, did this... Uh, show make you expect that it wasn't going to be any good at all so yeah i think i'm in the same boat with you sam and just to mention again the yeah i forgot even to mention the whole nudity of baby bl 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 bell but yeah so it isn't actually censored in the american version of the show which i thought it might have been but it is censored in some other regions in the world so like uh the baby actually wears a diaper but in the original Japanese production, it's yeah, just hanging out wiener of baby Bell, which is somewhat of a cultural thing for uh, Japanese kids to walk out, walk around without diapers. So it was like didn't disturb me enough, but I can see why that might disturb other viewers. So yeah, thank you for mentioning that. But yeah, expecting all of what I said, it's just going to be a drawn out OVA or you know original one pitch. Uh, one shot so i'm not i'm mean, not expecting much but i'm expecting it to deliver on the same level that the first three episodes did so that brings an end to our 10-year discussion of beelzebub of uh studio periot or periot so finally next episode we're actually covering a movie which we haven't done in a while and it is a ghost in the shell movie which I'm very looking forward to because it's my pick and I have not for as big of a sci-fi nerd that I am, I have not seen this Ghost in the Shell movie yet. So I'm very looking forward to that. So Sam, so wrapping up this episode, do you have anything to say before we go? I hope you know, I hope you know you're going to be a big deal, Bill. With Olga by your side, you must arrive to be the best demon lord there is. But you've got to get a move on with your life. It's time to be a big boy now. 
and big boys don't cry. 